score at the end of two periods. Boston College 2, Merrimack 1 here at J. Tom Waller Rink in North Andover. Mike back with John Leahy here on the Merrimack Sports Network. And this second intermission is brought to you by Merrimack Graduate Studies. At Merrimack, you can earn your master's degree in as little as one year. Choose from graduate programs in business, education, engineering, health sciences, criminology, and so much more. Visit merrimack.edu backslash graduate today for all the details. Mike McMahon from the MacReport.com joins us here with BC leading Merrimack 2-1. Well, Mike, not quite the same score as last night. A lot of the same things, though, although I would say yeah, you know, a little different here. Game coming here from, from Contiform and Chestnut Hill to here and Merrimack. And, uh, you know, but at the same time, some uh, I, I think Boston College doing things pretty quickly and just unrelenting in terms of their pressure on the puck and pressure on the puck carrier and so on. And, uh, you know, overall, I look at last night and tonight, and I say, Craig Mantano's played some pretty good net here in the last couple of games. Craig Mantano's played great in the last two and a half games or so. Uh, we, we talked about it last night. He just I think he calms the team in front of him a little bit. Uh, he's made some aggressive saves. He's had to make some aggressive saves at times, uh, but he's also made some simple ones. You know, I feel like we, we talked about it last last night. Really, nothing's changed at this point. He's been a, he's been a, a, an influence that I think has helped turn their play around a little bit, certainly after that second period at UMass last Friday. And, um, yeah, you know, I just think he's he's played really well and continues to, to earn himself more and more time. But what's been so tough for Merrimack in terms of getting goals this weekend? It's a lot of the same things. You know, it seems like it's they've had times where they've gotten good pressure in front of the net, uh, and then there's been times where they've really struggled to get a man there. You can think of a couple of opportunities last night. I can think of a couple tonight uh, where they had chances for, for rebounds in the first period. A couple of the second period, just nobody there to, to, to put it home. Uh, there was a couple of chances early in the first where they were doing well. Uh, there was one, I think, uh, right before BC almost scored their first goal, they had a chance where they were flurrying in front. They were banging on some boxes, and it just wasn't, didn't happen to go in. So uh, it's a lot of just getting pressure to the net, I think. And then also, uh, BC seems to be doing a better job limiting Merrimack coming into the zone with clean possession. That was something that Merrimack was able to do last night earlier on in the game. Not so much later in the game, but definitely earlier on in the game. Crossing the blue line with a puck on their stick as opposed to having to dump it. Uh, you know, it seems tonight that BC's doing a better job right at that that Merrimack attacking blue of, of forcing them to chip it or dump it and not really get into the zone with, with the puck on their stick and with some speed, which is where you can generate a lot of those chances. Yeah, BC's also done a good job, I think, also right around the ball. You know, Wall's made big saves like he's had to off of Logan Coombs on that partial break there, but at the same time, you know, you mentioned what happened in the first period. How many times was there a puck there right there in the crease or at the edge of the crease? And it looked like it was going to be a wide open and easy play to make. And uh, somehow BC is able to get to the puck first. Yeah, and that's just winning battles. I mean, I, it's there's really there's no X's and O's about that. It's just who gets to the puck first. And uh, those those are the types of plays where most goals are scored now. I mean, we, we hear coaches talk about it all the time. Jerry York talked about it last night. Traditionally, as one of the most skilled teams in the country. And even he said in the press conference last night, a lot of goals are scored from two feet within the crease, just banging away at a puck, and, and it ends up going in. So, uh, so I mean, not even not even so many goals are scored. I, I'd say the majority of probably goals from the country are scored like that now. So those, those are pucks that you, you, you got to find a way to put in. Yeah, I kind of feel like it's like Groundhog Day, like last year. But here we are, ninth game into the season, and uh, you look at the five on three that went by the boards, a golden opportunity that they had. Uh, six power play goals on the season through now almost nine total games, four of them through one game. So, in the other eight games, a total of now just two. So, I think we're past the point where you can say that the power play is a problem, but what do you do about it? 
know, man. I think it just goes back to the same things you want to do on offense. That's getting some good pressure around the net and getting pucks there. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of times, not so much tonight, uh, but I can think of plenty of power plays so far this year where they've had possession, they've had possession on the outside. That's not going to get you many goals. And I know a lot of it is you don't want to shoot the puck into somebody's shins. I mean, you need an open lane to put the puck into. You can't just, you know, the popular thing, you, you hear people in the crowd just yell, shoot every time you're in the power play. Well, you know, you shoot into somebody's legs, it's not going to be any good either. But, uh, you know, you look back at that 5-1-3 power play, I mean, BC had more scoring chances than they did. They almost and had a 5-1-3 breakaway. Uh, and then ended up with a 5-1-4 breakaway where they get the penalty shot. So, uh, you got it, it all starts with getting possession in the zone. They struggled with that, but uh, a lot of it, I think, is just getting those pucks and bodies to the net, especially with the power play. You got more guys in the ice, you should be able to outnumber them. And uh, for Boston College, two goals tonight, the, the two last night plus the empty netters, you know, still not, I, I feel like for the effort that this team's generating and the opportunities they're getting, they're obviously not getting the number of goals that they would like to get. Do you, does that change at some point this year? Do, does some of those pucks start getting in? Because I know, you know, you've been big on the proponent of, you know, the Corsi and all those numbers and the fact that, uh, you know, Merrimack's had one of the lower, uh, I guess, uh, you know, possession numbers or whatever it is in the, uh, or at least in terms of, you know, scoring, right, and in the country. Boston College, I think, is uh, is down where where they are also. So you so you would think that Boston College should start to see some of those pucks go in as the season goes along. Yeah, it's interesting in college hockey because it does. The, the stat PDO is a combination of a shooting percentage and save percentage. And what they say is that that number should be at about 100. Uh, you know, your shooting percentage combined with your save percentage, if that's at about 100, you're playing at a sustainable level. If it's well below, then it's kind of a measure of luck. If you're well below that number, then you've been unlucky. If, you, if you're well above that number, like UNH at one point was at like 110, which is incredibly high. And that suggests that they're playing at an unsustainable level. And then you can look inside the numbers and go, okay, well, Max Gilman, defenseman, is their leading goal scorer, had six goals in six games. It's probably not going to happen over the course of an entire season. Yeah, he's not going to finish with 34 goals. Exactly. But the, the thing that's interesting in college hockey is the season is so is so short that it's, you know, in the NHL over 82 games, that can point itself out a little bit more. But in college hockey, I think the, the skill gap from the worst team to the best team is a lot bigger than the skill gap in the NHL from the worst to the best. So that PDO stat, while it can it can tell you who's been lucky and who's been unlucky, I think it can also just tell you who has more skills. Teams that have higher shooting percentage, I'm willing to bet, I don't know this, but I'm willing to bet that the top five college hockey teams have a much higher shooting percentage than the top five NHL teams, and it's just because that skill gap is so great. Well, let's talk Arizona State. Uh, you had the, 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 the news this week, and we talked with, uh, with Brock Hines from UMass Radio last week after he chatted with Joe Bertani, the commissioner of Hockey East, that Arizona State apparently approached Hockey East and, you know, to, to see about possibly, uh, you know, I don't know if it was either entry into the league or perhaps some sort of scheduling alliance, I don't know. But either way, um, you know, I look at that kind of thing, right, and I see, and I, I sensed from your notebook the other day that Mark Dennehy maybe was on the same page that, you know, we've seen other leagues in the past who have tried to help out these teams that need, you know, for whatever reason, they were kind of stuck in limbo. I mean, Alabama Huntsville, they eventually went to the WCHA. WCHA back in 20-something years ago took in one of the Alaska schools. The CCHA took in the other one, even though, you know, it meant additional travel for everybody in the league. They still did that to help save those programs. So, you know, I look at what's happened here. Uh, you know, Hockey's does have, but, you know, theoretically that extra slot with an odd number of teams. Would it make sense to take Arizona State, even if you don't know that they're going to be there for the long term? But, you know, maybe there's a time when more programs develop out west and, and, and they're able to come together with those programs to, to form a league or whatever happens. I mean, you know, I look at this and I say there's got to be some way to help this this team that, you know, we talk about growing the sport. Isn't this something that you want to do when you're trying to grow the sport, help programs that need help? 
Absolutely, yeah. They, they need a home. I mean, there's no question they need a home. Uh, I think, I don't know if Hockey East is the best fit for them, obviously. I mean, there's a big 2,500-mile difference or whatever it is. Again, I'm going to come back to the CCHA wasn't the best fit for Al- oh, Alaska no. Fairbanks either. Absolutely not. Uh, but I think I think there's better fits for, for Arizona State than Hockey East. Obviously, if the NCHC would ever go to 10 teams, that would be a, a natural fit. Uh, they need to find a home, though. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with uh, the, the NHL sponsoring feasibility studies at five schools. We know one's at Illinois. They'd go into the Big Ten if they start a program. The other one's at Oakland University in Michigan. There's three more. We don't know what where those three are going to be. Let me ask you this. What's the, realistically, what is the chances that that, that ends up leading to programs uh, becoming NCAA varsity? I don't think it's going to lead to five, but I wouldn't be surprised if it led to one or two. You know, I, talk, I did a story at CHN back in April, right after the Frozen Four, uh, talking to one of the associate athletic directors at, at Illinois. And, uh, they, they were on the fence. You know, it, it seemed like it was still something they'd like to do and it wasn't on the horizon and then two months later their NHL is paying for a feasibility study. Well, you know what I mean? A school like Illinois though, they gotta they got to come up with the money which certainly they, they have a, a better chance of doing it than a lot of other schools. They also have to solve the Title IX problem. So, you know, feasibility study is not going to solve Title IX. No, it's not. And that's what these schools are going to have to figure out ways to, to make it all work. Uh, from, excuse me, from an Arizona State perspective, they need to go somewhere. I think the I, one of those Western leagues or more Western schools obviously makes sense for them. I think it makes more sense for those leagues. From a hockey standpoint, they're, they're not picking them, though. You know what I mean? The WCHA has an even number of teams. The you know, Big Ten, you could say, perhaps. They have an odd number, but they're not taking NCHC. Even number of teams, that's not going to happen. I mean, it seems like it's not, somebody's going to step up to the plate here. And if you're Hockey East, why don't you say, hey, we'll take a trip out to Arizona every two years and go, go play some hockey in the sun. Everybody likes going to Tampa for the Frozen Four. You get a chance to go to Arizona during hockey season. I think there's reservations after Notre Dame didn't work. And, I, and I've heard Joe Britannia say this. He said to me in other interviews that there was a feeling among people at Notre Dame that they just never felt part of the league. So I think there's a hesitation on the league's part to make a move like that so quickly. Uh, I think ideally Hockey East is looking for a big school like Arizona State. They want someone that fits that mold, that offers something, but I think they want someone that's a little closer to the, the footprint that they have right now. I understand that too. I don't think it's likely to happen. I mean, you look at who's available. The other thing I'd say about that with regard to Arizona State and Notre Dame is, you know what? Notre Dame had other options. Arizona State doesn't have other options here. I got a feeling that they're going to be a lot more happy to be in Hockey East than Notre Dame was. Oh, Arizona State needs a lead. They're going to be they're going to have to be anywhere. <laughs> they, they need a lead. Yeah, there's no question. All right, thanks a lot, Mike. We got a break, but I appreciate the time. Uh, maybe we'll talk about this again down the road. Folks, check out his work, themacreport.com, the Eagle Tribune as well, and Call Talking News. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Mike McMahon has been our guest here. The score, BC2, Merrimack 1. Back with more after this. This is Warrior Hockey.